0: Hey husband.
1: Yes wife.
0: What does a nosy pepper do?
1: What does a nosy pepper do?
0: Gets jalapeno business. Wow.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, orcs and elves, werewolves and dranae, and all you other peoples of Azeroth, welcome back to Random's Thoughts. I'm husband, she's wife, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about Slow Mage today. Your favorite and mine.
0: Sure, and that intro, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Try and mix it up every once in a while. Alright. So, although I started out saying your favorite and mine, uh, that was a little bit of a fib.
0: Yeah, um, so Slow Mage is a thing, was a thing. I know people talk about it a lot. Um,
1: It might be the most hated
0: card in the game. I don't think it's the most hated card in the game. It was
1: for a long, long time.
0: I'm okay. I'm sure it was. I don't really recall that, but I I think there are more things to hate nowadays, personally.
1: Well, the thing about Slow is that it has that helplessness attached to it. You know the inevitable's gonna happen, but you still wanna play it out because it's like, oh well, maybe they counter the wrong thing or they tap out at the wrong time or something happens where you can turn the table, but we all know it's not gonna happen.
0: This is true. But as we've done a lot of testing because we're super stoked for Gen Con 2017, Plug, plug, shameless plug, Gen Con 2017. Real
1: quick, if you haven't signed up and you're going to be at Gen Con, definitely check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun last year. Or if you're going to be at Gen Con and for whatever bizarre reason you find something that's allegedly more important than playing WoW, you can definitely try and track Wife and I down or some of the other players. We know there are a bunch of people that want to play pickup games, and we'd be more than happy to play.
0: But let's let's be real. There is nothing more important than playing WoW. I am giving up my reigning championship title for another game to play WoW. So come play WoW.
1: Yeah, don't don't lie to yourself. WoW is clearly the highlight of Gen Con 2017.
0: WoW was also the highlight of Gen Con 2016, too.
1: That's true. And every Gen Con before that that we went to, which was one. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. anyway, as we digress as always, like we said at the top, we're going to start with Slow Mage today. This deck, as Wife said, we did test it. We threw it against the wall, so to speak, and ran a bunch of things against it, varying from Tyrus builds to Aberration Hunter to some Death Knight builds to some Priest builds to...
0: A Warrior?
1: I don't think we actually got around to doing Death Wish against it. Uh, We also did some hyper-aggressive builds like Bogmara. uh, And specifically... Another real quick plug for our website. So if you want to follow along with the class, turn your textbook to randomsthoughts.wordpress.com.
0: That's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com.
1: So I typed up a bunch of the deck lists after we researched them a couple weeks ago for the last show. And unfortunately, the single slow deck that top-aided out of the two Metamart events was played by David Chen. It's Varanus Bitterstar which was the promo hero, actually, for Burning Crusade, which I like seeing stuff like that show up.
0: It's the, shiny.
1: Yeah. The only problem is, is that where I found the deck list was not complete, so we only have a 56-card deck list. So, basically, we made an educated guess because the 56 list was not running the Taste of Arcana, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's for Spike. And if you're not familiar with that you pay one. It's obviously an instant ability. Your hero deals one to target hero or ally. If you hit a hero, you can interrupt a card that that player played, or the controller played, unless they pay one for each damage. So if you somehow pump the damage, aka Spellweaver Jahan, if you've seen that before, you can force them to have to pay more. In this case, there isn't really anything in the list to pump it, but it's your cheap counter spell alongside Fizzle. But this one let you hit any card, not specifically abilities. Let's start with this, actually. When we're talking about these decks and what we think is strong or weak, it's obviously just us playing against each other. And while we both consider ourselves pretty good players, we're obviously not the best in the world. We never were. Uh, And part of that comes in, you know, we're going to make players, we're going to maybe have tendencies for how we construct decks or what kind of strategies we implement. So you kind of have to take all this with a grain of salt. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, wife, if you feel differently, but I did not like the slow deck, and not from a I-didn't-like-playing-against-it or a I-didn't-like-playing-it perspective, but I did not feel that it could run with the big dogs.
0: I agree. Um, I think it really fit into its name. It was slow. It was super slow, and anything that puts any sort of pressure, especially right off the bat, it did nothing. Like, we had played before a few rounds with Bogmara, my favorite deck, of course, and by turn three, I already had them up to something like, I want to say, 19 damage by the end of turn three. Which,
1: when you only start with 25, that's a bottle void away from you know, packing it in for the next game.
0: Which is what ended the games almost constantly.
1: We're going to go down the list kind of card by card as David Chen had played it or what we think it was. Again, we're missing one set of cards. So, or possibly multiple sets of cards. But again, I'm assuming that Taste of Arcana was actually in the list. So if you want to start there, Wave, go ahead.
0: So the card in Slow that I hate the most more than anything is Blizzard. Um, I hate the fact, I it's not that I hate it, actually no, I do, I hate it from playing against it standpoint and from a game player standpoint, mainly because I, I don't like not doing things, um, but it's strong. Blizzard, I think, is one of the strongest cards in this deck, in my opinion. Well,
1: it's one of the strongest cards in the game. That's why it's frequently put up as a potential ban when people talk about it. It's certainly frustrating to play against. Uh It does have kind of an odd rules quirk. Um It's not that out there. It's not Winter's Veil Disguise kit level, but uh it's an interaction, or lack thereof, of there not being a window for you to pop the blizzard if you have to discard at the end of your turn so you'll get one extra activation for it which can throw people off and you can definitely catch people with it but blizzard is a key component to the list since obviously it keeps you alive it's gonna stall out anything that really doesn't have armor in addition to being removal so moving on from there let's talk about the counterspell or excuse me let's let's wait on that let's talk about the other potential removal spells so aside from that, in this particular list, which does vary from the one that Wife and I were originally playing, we actually switched to this because it was... It know, did it, so well at the Meta Yeah, it was a successful list, so we wanted to see what other minds in the game were doing. So one of the other removal cards that was in our list is Brittle Eyes, which is an ongoing that both deals with armor and can shoot something for two. Obviously, that's very versatile, and it, along with the other freeze mage cards like Blizzard, it helps slow down your opponent even if that thing's big. So they have a, a Tyrus on the other side with unholy power on the board. Okay, you freeze them. It at least buys you a turn to try and get things under control. Following up with that, though, we have a, the pseudo finisher, but could also be removal.
0: Um, in Arcane Barrage. So, um. Your hero deals forward arcane damage to a hero or ally, um, and it cannot be interrupted, which is pretty useful for the quick pops.
1: Well, the mirror is really where that's going to yeah. come. Well, maybe not just the mirror, but any other mage builds, obviously. The fact that you can play it from the graveyard is yeah. crucial, given that there are priest decks that, and rogue decks that do regular discards as opposed to warlock RFG effects removed from game. The cool thing about it, because it can't be interrupted, that gives you kind of a trump card to play in the mirror, get through things. It'll, st- And four damage is a significant chunk. Eight is obviously an even more significant chunk. But again, the versatility of the card. This is where, though, we start running into some of the issues that we had. So this particular list is a little clunky, and we'll get into that in a second. The other pseudo-removal that we have is Spell Suppression, which is a staple in all mage decks where you just drop it on an ability, ally, equipment, or even a resource, as annoying as that is. And it lose, loses and can't have powers. Well, that's a pretty good catch-all.
0: Yes. And so, just for my clarification, this when you play it on a resource, it doesn't just blank the quest. It blanks the resource itself, correct? What do you mean? Like you can't like, use it to play stuff? So like you, yeah, so you can't. No, use you it can sit. Yeah, okay. like so it just blanks the quest.
1: Yeah, it turns off the okay. powers because it's not a power activating, well, exhausting the card to pay costs.
0: I just wanted to clarify because I was confused about that and I thought other people might be too.
1: Yeah, but it is notable, say, you drop it on an Eye of the Storm. Not that this deck would care about Eye of the Storm because... Surprise, surprise, there are no allies. Granted, one of your finishers is Ysera the Dreamer, or Ysera, I've never actually heard it said.
0: I think I would say Ysera, anyway.
1: Yeah, the green dragon aspect that, well, (laughs) she's, I guess, exactly what you'd want in a, a slow control deck finisher. She heals you, she gives you a static attack, she draws your cards, and I guess she's cheap, in terms of master heroes, because she's probably going to come down on turn 10, since you get, air quotes, extra resources for face-down resources. So that's the finisher, or one of the finishers, alongside Arcane Barrage, with the removal spells. The other finisher, which actually was the way we had the deck constructed before we tore it apart for this, is Flickers from the Past. So it's a 7-cost spell that from the Hunt for Illidan, they'll let you put ongoings from your graveyard back into play. Similar to other resurrection spells in the remainder of the game, you can't do more than the resources you have. That was always WoW's way to avoid what magic has, where it's, oh, I'll discard you know a nine-cost guy and then use a reanimation spell to bring him back on turn two. Because that ends games very quickly, too, in kind of a silly fashion.
0: Yeah and I think that was a decent catch on their part
1: yeah I mean by the time you're playing flickers from the past in this deck whatever iteration typically you're you're getting back everything or what if you flickers once you've probably won yeah. barring you know you're, it's a desperation type thing but if you recur you know on turn seven a blizzard a brittle eyes uh Conjured Cinnamon Roll and a Mana Sapphire. Is that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? Well, cut one, some of those. <laughs> something up to seven. You're getting a significant board state, and especially if you recur something like Blizzard, you can go, okay, well, I'll just wait. Or, <laughs> God help your opponent, if you're recurring Slow and Mystic Denial at the same time, or something along those lines. Like Your opponent can have a very bad day very fast. Now, our build was originally, well, it honestly just never got updated for a a number of years. So it was the old flickers from the past. We were running multiple flickers. We were running Smoldering Blast for removal and a bunch of other things. And I'll be honest, I kind of liked that version better than this.
0: I think it helped with keeping, um, keeping the head above the water when it came to more Rush decks?
1: Yeah, the so we covered already the removal spells, and that, that's literally it. So you can certainly pin people down with Blizzard. Pin them down with Brittle Eyes. Remove things with Arcane Barrage, or spell suppress things so that whatever the important ability is not relevant. And obviously you have your flip to poke something for two. And I guess in a pinch you could taste of Arcana their allies instead of them. Beyond that, you don't have a whole lot. You do have some recursion elements in Nether Breath Spellblade in this particular list. So it's running two copies. So you can skip one of your draws, get back some removal if you need it. But you have to be very, very careful and very judicious about how you apply the limited removal you have at hand. And that's kind of why we ran into issues like with Wife's Bogmara deck.
0: Yeah, um, you know, he would interrupt one Nolan. Okay, I have three more coming through. I think I think it's good in theory. I just think a lot of decks end up having more answers to the interrupts. Well, more threats than, well, more threats have than there are interrupts, I guess that's more what I wanted to say. I think I really liked well, I liked watching this deck. Um, before it became Classic. But I think especially once you get into Classic, there's just way too many threats on the board. That being said, I know people have done well with it. Obviously, at the Metamart, I don't recall if anybody played it last year at Gen Con.
1: I'm pretty sure nobody did, but one thing to keep in mind... uh, First of all, a couple things. One, the Metamart events were not that large. They were larger than the Gen Con event. But they still only had like... Fifty people I don't really remember but it wasn't like we had three hundred people so it wasn't it's not a huge sample size in addition I know the guys that I had gone up there with and we only got to go to one but they were more focused on the core side than the classic side they were just playing in it because it was there so it brings up a question of well how many people were taking it seriously and th- this is not intended to you know tear this list apart this isn't intended to say that this wasn't an accomplishment, and I feel like it, it's coming across that way. But
0: No, we're just speaking to what we found when we were testing against it. And like hmm. we said before, we were not amazing players. We could hold our own most of the time. But, um, you know, we make the same mistakes that everybody makes and probably a few more.
1: Right. Part of the issue is that, and this is kind of what Wife was getting at, that the way Classic is structured now is at least in my opinion, and wife, jump in if you don't feel this way, or if you agree, that the threat level in Classic is so high. You, I mean, Bogmar is kind of an, an abnormal situation, but you could drop nine power worth of dudes on the board relatively consistently on turn yeah. one. I mean, that maybe consistently isn't a great way to describe it, but it can happen. Then there's... Tyrus, where if it randomly sticks an unholy power, you could just straight-up lose that turn. Yeah, you're done. Similarly, the Aberration Hunter, naturally, is the natural predator for Mage decks. The majority of their damage is, or excuse me, the majority of their removal is damage-based, so guess what? Aberration says, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I'm a werewolf. Yeah. And- I'm a werewolf.
0: We know you love the werewolf. I'm a werewolf.
1: Okay. Anyway, so there are... It just feels that there's so much pressure as opposed to I need to nether fracture, which naturally the list is running for, and it's your, I guess, best counter spell. You can make a case for mystic denial, but there are so many things that you are, air quotes, must counter that it's so hard to, like, not just the decision tree, but... How do you have... Starting on turn one, there are things you need to deal with.
0: Yeah, and Nether Fracture, I would honestly say, is your strongest strictly because it costs three as opposed to the five of Mystic Denial because by the time you get to turn three and four, you need the Nether Fracture if you're Mm -hmm. playing the majority of the decks that you're going to be playing against.
1: A quick digression before we get into some of the more unique quirks about this particular build, which does have some very interesting things. The other mage lists that actually put more people into the elimination rounds, the top eight, were still control mages. And they still ran a number of counter spells. So they're still running Mystic Denials. They're still running Nether Fractures. They're still running Fizzles. However, they also introduced allies. This particular list, the slow mage lists, typically are not running any allies, and ours didn't. Although we ran more removal, like... Roaring Blaze from Drums of War. uh, Or, as we mentioned before, Smoldering Blast. These other ones bring in allies, including Savagin the Reckless, so you get a a pseudo-free, potential-free removal. You get Baxton Herald of Flame, who lets you split three damage. You get Brodericks, which are obviously super strong. You get Death Veers, which are super-duper strong.
0: Oh, death fear is insane.
1: Plus, you still then... So you can apply pressure with these allies. It's like, oh, you don't have a threat that I need to deal with? Well, Broderick can go face. You do have a threat? Okay, well, I'll send Broderick in, poke you for one, and then whittle you down, whittle you down, whittle you down, and then all of a sudden two arcane barrages out of the graveyard, and you're, you're toast. The, I feel that those are stronger if for because they can present the threats they can also remove threats that got through and
0: and you're not waiting or at least personally I feel like you're not waiting till turn five or six to actually do something
1: well I mean that that is an appeal to some people for the deck of yes. Drago I mean that was a magic deck it was literally called Drago
0: I just As I've said before, and I'm sure many of you who are better players than I am, because I openly admit I am not fantastic, I cannot handle Drago. I need to do something. My attention span does not last long enough for Drago.
1: (laughs) Well, to each their own wife. I know. One last thing about those other lists is the... And this kind of segues back into this list is the hero race. So in those other lists, obviously they're playing Undead, so they get access to Broderick, Broderick, to Deathfear, and Undercity, which are two major components. Deathfear is super strong, and then Undercity lets you deal with opposing Brodericks and heal. That being said, Varanus brings some of his own cool stuff to the table.
0: Yes, so Varanus brings Silvermoon. Um and if you don't know Silvermoon as it because it's from Gladiators, so who has seen Blood things of Gladiators? From, yeah, who that's has seen?
1: that's the Orgrimmar set.
0: Yeah, I know, but that like it just seems so long ago. Anyway, it was
1: long ago. <laughs> um, it's it's it. It was 2008, I want to say 2008 or 2009 because it was legal for when we went to Gen Con. Yeah, the first time. So that means. It, It's getting up there. It's been a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was the first set that I bought myself cards from. Now I realize now that they were all crap, but anyway. Um, (laughs) All crap. Blizzards from that set. Yeah, but I didn't get any blizzards, I don't think. Anyway, um, so we have Silver Moon City. As Silver Moon City enters play, choose Arcane, Fire, Frost, Nature, or Shadow. And if you tap it, target Blood Elf in your party has chosen Resistance that turn. So you're not running any allies. Guess who's getting the resistance? And if you're playing Tyrus. Or... There's, a yeah, Tyrus. there's a
1: lot of shadow damage in Tyrus. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of shadow damage in Tyrus.
1: It's actually, when you play this card, it's one of those that you may not realize it, but as you, once you actually play it and you choose something and then you realize 70% of your opponent's deck is a given damage type. Yeah. Maybe not intentionally. Maybe by, I, I mean, we brought it up before. I played somebody at Gen Con last year who was playing all nature damage. I don't know because I don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure they weren't running any, like, any quests like Cleansing of Witch Hill to turn it face down. So they just scoop to that single card, potentially on turn one.
0: Yeah, and if you're playing, you know, any sort of lock and you have Bottle Void...
1: Keep in anything. mind, so a lot of the Warlock cards, such as Promises of Darkness, are, are worded similarly to the Taste of Arcana. So they say, deal one damage. For every damage dealt this way, do something.
0: Oh, hey, Guess they have what? resistance. They, they did didn't do any damage. Zero, You yeah. get no card.
1: It's, it's actually one of those things. Now, here's the cute part. <laughs> <laughs> Ebonweave Robe. So, that was a crafted card, if you're not familiar with it. I believe it was Scourge War. Anyway, so it's a four cost. It's one armor. It gives all your allies shadow resist. So, as we talked about, it's going to prevent any shadow damage to your allies. But here's...
0: Oh, hey! Here's the fun thing. It turns all your allies... Your opponents. All your opponents' um, damage into shadow damage. So... Oh, hey! I gave myself shadow resistance! And I have an Ebon Weave Robe game over.
1: Uh it's not quite game over because the Ebon Weave robe does only change the opposing allies.
0: Yes, it's still super frustrating.
1: Yeah, the, it's definitely a if not a hard lock. <laughs> a def obviously a soft lock, potentially a hard lock.
0: And like depending said, on the matchup. It is super cute. Like the first time I'm like, oh wait, this is, this can, oh, oh, that works well together.
1: Now, something to keep in mind is that the Ebonweave Robe is not a specific mage thing. It's uh, also could be used by the other clothies, priests and warlocks. It doesn't really show up all that much because it is four, so you're, it's, it can be a you're big tempo brink. loss. Yeah. yeah. But if you brink. go turn one Silver Moon or anything, turn one to four Silver Moon, and then say turn five, Ebon weave living up, leaving up the Silver Moon. Your opponent could be in a super bad spot. So we had a number of games where I would just fan out my hand playing the slow mage, and it's just like, okay, can you kill me before turn four or five, or you know, depending on who's going first? No, I can't. All right, well we might as well pack it up because we know it's gonna happen. Yeah. That's one of the cool advantages of this over. The more ally-centric builds. That being said,
0: you do still have to make it to turn five, essentially.
1: Which it it's going to be hard for your opponent to end the game that fast in a lot of cases, especially if if you know you're going for that. So you op- your opening hand has Weave and Silvermoon. Any removal spell you may not even care about the counter spells because that's your win condition. They're never going to get through, assuming they don't have removal. And since it's four cost, it dodges Miniature Voodoo Mask, but it could be spell suppression or banished to the nether or something like that. And there's obviously ways to deal with resources like we talked about before, Cleansing of Witch Hill. So that's one of the the cool, cute interactions that this deck supports. But at the end of the day, it that'll let you steal games, Yes. But the deck as a whole felt like it was lacking a lot of removal. Now again, as we talked about last week, the way the meta is right now, it's very uncertain. Everybody who's going to play a Gen Con is probably going to show up with whatever the hell they feel like. I know we are. You know, we're not going to go in and be like, oh, well, this is this is a top-tier deck. Yeah, I might play it if it's top tier, but I'm mostly playing it because I want to play that deck. So you <laughs> this, maybe we've we Robe, and Silvermoon City don't do anything because everybody's playing Death Wish. You know, it's melee damage, or it doesn't matter. But what we found is, as we just, dis- again, going back, what we discussed last week is that a lot of aggressive decks are everywhere. So it's hard for this to keep up. It's certainly going to beat up and prey upon other slower builds.
0: Yeah, because anything mid-range to slower is... I don't know if it's... it's not a... dead in the water, but it's going to be... A harder matchup.
1: Exactly, because the you're giving the slow deck time to set up, and if it has time to set up and it plays slow on you, and then plays a Mystic Denial, you're the game's virtually over. Yeah. Whereas any of the aggressive decks, again, the predator for this deck is Werewolves. They can dodge most of the removal. They come out of the gates on turn one,
0: and they do lots of melee damage, and they can't. No, they now they. Well, they have
1: ranged, and there they are have some ranged melees. Ranged and
0: melee. I, w- I was
1: thinking Garrett Weiss because he's nature. This is
0: true. But there's, I feel like there's enough ranged and melee in that deck. I mean, you have
1: deck. envoy. Yeah. I mean, the, like the one of and the key have... cards in the deck is is ranged. So. What's
0: the dwarf that comes in and shoots for five.
1: Oh, Grumdeck.
0: Yeah, he's pretty good too.
1: Well, that that kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Like any turn where you give your opponent a window, getting smacked for five. Yeah, you can take a hit or two of that. But if you're getting like they have ferocity, they're coming down anytime you tap out, you're going to get cracked for five.
0: And there's enough especially in the Werewolf deck. There's enough guys with ferocity that Blizzard doesn't become null and void, but it definitely it loses loses its yeah, its strength.
1: Again, going back to the Valindra Sepulchre builds, where they're running allies, those decks can contest the board. Granted, Baxton, obviously, is not helping much out against uh, Aberration, but he can certainly remove that Grum deck. He can ping off random Magni tokens, yeah. whereas this deck, once something's on the board, at least this particular iteration, you're very limited in your ways to get it off the board again. Uh Maybe, again, maybe we we're playing it wrong. I'm sure we were playing it wrong. Yeah. That being said, it just, if something's coming out of the gates that fast and that hard, you're in a, I think you're in a bad spot with this.
0: I agree. So just to preface this podcast and pretty much all our other podcasts. Um, We definitely don't need to say that something is way overpowered and totally going to lose something or something completely sucks.
1: If we thought it was super duper strong or super oppressive or warping, we would definitely make that obvious.
0: Yeah, Uh, we do have a tendency to get pretty enthusiastic about things we like.
1: Look, I'm, I'm from... Jersey. I'm gonna exaggerate a little bit.
0: So yeah, he's your stereotypical Jersey boy. I am your stereotypical Philly girl. We both have a tendency to get a little over-enthusiastic.
1: She thinks she can get big.
0: I can totally get big. Uh-huh. Don't go there. I yeah, will yeah. I will I will end you. Anyway.
1: Let's get this show on the road. So in closing, before we jump into off topic, let me tell you all about what we just talked about. Now <laughs> I'm not gonna rehash everything. We do like the slow deck. I think it's fine that it exists. I know a lot of people hate the actual card slow. Limiting you to one card a turn is certainly frustrating. That being said, I think this deck can exist. I don't think the power level is too high. I'm sure that means that I'm going to go to Gen Con and everyone's going to play slow. And we're all going to wish that we never brought this
0: up. More than likely. I agree that it can exist. It's fine. It's fun. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all deck to beat. And I don't know if we have one of those yet, but maybe one day soon.
1: Yeah, not yet. We're, we will jump into the other Mage lists in more depth later on, but it, they're close enough sharing a number of cards that we felt that it was worth comparing and contrasting them in this particular set. So with that, I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to say about this for now. Uh, please definitely leave us comments, shoot us an email, check out the website.
0: Randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. I'm going to do my full Vanna White right now. Randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Oh, that's, that's impressive. Like me.
1: Can you tell them what the email is?
0: It is podcast at gmail.com. Ooh. I remember things.
1: That's nice.
0: Remembering.
1: <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're going to jump into off-topic. Don't be one of those podcasts.
0: <sighs> anyway, for our off topic of this week, we are going to talk about injustice, Gods Among Us 2. And as I said, I don't spoiler think the alert the title is Gods Among Us this time around. I think okay, it's just whatever. Injustice. it's still I liked the whole Gods Among Us. I thing. thought that
1: was a cool title. For it those was- of you not familiar, it's a fighting game produced by Nether Realm Studios, who are the people who took over from Midway making Mortal Kombat. It's basically most, if not all, the same people.
0: And if you knew my house, you knew Mortal Kombat is a big the- big deal with a certain person who's sitting across from me right now. Who is that? I don't know.
1: So, as wife alluded to, I love Mortal Kombat. I've been playing it since the first one. When Injustice came out, I'm not... I'm aware of comic books. And I
0: have... It's on the Mortal Kombat thing. I have really cute pictures of him and his Mortal Kombat Halloween costumes. I'll bring them to Gen Con.
1: Okay, sure, wife. So, as I was starting to say, although I'm aware of comic books, I definitely don't really read Marvel or DC that much. So I'm aware of the characters. I've read some of them. I primarily read other stuff, notably Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And if you haven't read those comics in the I, produced by IDW, you should read them. They are great stories.
0: Yeah, they really are. So can we give a quick synopsis of the first one?
1: of which first, the first one.
0: comic of injustice
1: so we as wife started with we're, we are going to do spoilers the first comic of injustice falls pretty close to the first injustice game storyline wise uh do you want to do the quick so, rundown
0: really quick super fast essentially the joker um uses the fear gas
1: scarecrow's fear gas
0: to convince superman that lois lane who is pregnant with their baby um, is actually Doomsday. Doomsday. And he has also implanted her with like this little chip thing. so and That's that, tied to her
1: heartbeat. That's
0: tied to her heartbeat. So when her heart stops, the entirety of Metropolis blows up.
1: Yeah, the Joker rigged a nuke somewhere in Metropolis. Superman goes to stop the Joker because he kidnapped Lois Lane. When he shows up, Joker hits him with fear gas which I don't remember what he did to get it to be absorbed, but he did something because otherwise Superman would have been immune to it.
0: He put... He oh, no, he
1: stole the kryptonite yeah, from he somebody. he
0: stole the kryptonite from... Or he
1: laced the gas with kryptonite, something, something like to that effect. Basically,
0: When it out Superman kryptonite. There you
1: go. Yeah, they, they explain away how... with it's the a,
0: most rarest... Ex- system, it's one of the rarest <laughs> substances in existence, but, but
1: everybody, everybody, everybody has it. Everybody has it in their back pocket. So... They explain away how Superman gets affected by the gas. He thinks... He's hallucinating, thinks Lois Lane is doomsday. Freaks out because he says, well, I need to protect my wife and unborn child. Flies Lois Lane doomsday literally into space and then realizes,
0: oops. And then she's dead. The city blows up and he comes down and literally, well speeding forward, but he literally rips a hole in Joker's chest.
1: Yeah, and then from there... He, he turns
0: into a raging, psychotic dictator.
1: Well, yeah, he's a, he becomes a dictator and says, I'm going to <laughs> to bring Transformers back in. He does the Megatron line of peace through tyranny, kind of. He doesn't say that, but he essentially takes over the world and stops all violence because, well, he's Superman, and hence the original tagline of Gods Among Us. He's a basically a walking god.
0: So to speed through most of the first comic, you really don't need to know much more than Batman disagrees because he's Batman. Nobody should die. Oh, you shouldn't kill people unless you kill people people unless you have to. Superman thinks that Batman is being selfish and not wanting to kill people because he feels like occasionally you have to.
1: It's more like the Joker or other bad guys were so dangerous that it's his. Superman actually says the line, it's like, one life for a million, or something to that effect. So, as you would imagine, at the end of Injustice 1, Batman wins. So, Batman ends up locking up Superman, along with Wonder Woman, Black Adam, uh, Aquaman, Robin, although in the comics, Robin and Nightwing are independent characters, and sort of the same thing happens as in the game, but it's a little bit different where who's taking what side... And Cyborg and a number of other characters either get locked up or they escape and go back to their countries of origin. Like Black Adam goes home. Aquaman goes home. But Superman's locked up and locked down. Cut to Injustice 2.
0: So, Injustice 2, essentially all you need to know is Brainiac arrives... And, um, Batman, and so does Supergirl, because Brainiac is the destruction of Krypton, which I feel like I should have known from previously, uh, but I didn't know that in my life. I had
1: no idea. I mean, I knew of Brainiac, but I knew nothing about him other than, like, the Wikipedia entry. Yeah. So... So, Supergirl's
0: arrives. She's been in, um, stasis forever, because I guess she was, like, a teenager when Superman left Krypton as a Supergirl,
1: baby. Supergirl, if you're not familiar, is, uh, Superman's cousin... Superman, if you're also not familiar, was sent to Earth as an infant. Basically, both ships took off at the same time. Supergirl's ship gets hit by an asteroid or something.
0: She goes off course. Goes
1: off course, so she now shows up decades later when Superman's a grown adult.
0: And um, she's being hidden by Wonder Woman and Black Adam being hidden from um, Batman's... All-knowing, all-seeing. Yeah.
1: So Batman sets it's up like kind of like in it, it it's was like one in
0: 1984. Which, is well, what it's I was like. gonna
1: say. It's that like that machine he had in uh, Batman, the one with the uh, Joker.
0: Yeah, um, Dark Knight.
1: Yeah, when in the Dark Knight, when he had the supercomputer that could see every you know everywhere. But this one was doing the whole globe because when Superman took over in the first game, he dissolved like every other government and military and the superhumans were running everything, including some bad guys like Bane. Superman thought it was a good idea, I guess, to let him out of jail and let him, let him run security detail. Yeah. Whatever. So what ended up going through the second game, and again, more spoilers, is the characters who are siding with Superman versus the characters siding with Batman are coming into conflict, and then ultimately Brainiac shows up because he realizes that the last Kryptonians are on Earth. So he says, well, I'm coming for the last Kryptonians. And ironically enough, he was going to leave us alone, it sounded like, until, until he discovered we had superhumans.
0: Yeah, and until he discovered Batman's web of monitoring everybody. Well, no,
1: he used that to take over That's the true. world. But So he saw, like, The Flash and was said, it? or Dr. Fate or, you know, whoever. He saw magic and superhumans and said... Well, I need to study these because Brainiac's whole deal is that he collects things.
0: He collects all the knowledge in the universe, except he wants it to be a rare collection. So he kills everybody so the knowledge is rare.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess the the way he was looking at it is, if there's no one creating new knowledge, then I'm done. So really, Brainiac's just being lazy. Yeah. (laughs) He's being super lazy. So as you would imagine, at the end of it, and there are splitting stories. So technically right now, we don't know the canon ending. When I played through, and I haven't gone back through, although I can imagine, one of the last scenarios is, you know, you fight Brainiac and you beat him. But then, <laughs> God forbid, Superman and Batman reconcile their differences, so they go at it after the main bad has been taken down.
0: And we're not talking about the main bad being the movie, Batman yeah. versus
1: Superman. <laughs> that was pretty bad. So, Batman and Superman come to fisticuffs, and...
0: It's a funny word. <laughs> it is a funny word. So wow, that's why I want to say it. We're so in Victorian England. Okay. Anyway,
1: so Batman, the playthrough that I did, beats Superman, ends up sending him to the Phantom Zone. The rest of the people that were part of the regime uh, that were, which was the government that Superman created, that were supporting him, end up getting locked up, or again they go into hiding, that sort of thing. And Batman saves the day. Uh, I haven't played through the alternate ending. Based on what people have said, without directly spoiling it, it sounds like Superman potentially just murderizes Batman. I'm not sure, but obviously, if Superman wins, it's probably not going to go well for Batman.
0: Yeah, probably not. Um, Yeah. So I'm just like anyway. Continue.
1: So the long story short, although you've been just been spoiled on this, it's worth playing through. It's worth playing through the old. It's not a new concept to have two heroes go head-to-head. Marvel did Civil War. DC has probably had a ton of these. You know, I mean, there's that whole thing about Batman having a file on how to beat all the superheroes if they went rogue, and then they ask him, well, what about you? What if you go rogue? And they say, he says to whoever he was talking to, he's like, well, that's why I created the Justice League. You know, He's always planning for these contingencies. But it's worth playing through. It's also a really cool fighting game. Obviously, it's a fighting game, but it's actually really fun.
0: I really, okay, I don't play it so much as I watch husband play it because I'm not so skilled with the fighting games. Um, But I really like, they have these super kills, which are really fun.
1: If you play Mortal (coughs) Kombat, they're the x-ray attacks. Uh, Now, in Mortal Kombat, it's naturally way hyper-violent, and nobody would survive any of the things, even though the guy stands up right afterwards. But in this game, it's like... Superman punches you through the sun, or like...
0: <laughs> or, now this isn't the old one, but Aquaman summons a shark to eat you. Well, he summons like a tidal wave. Well, okay, he summons a tidal wave, and then there's a shark in the tidal wave. Do not diss my Aquaman. I love him. Oh my him. god, enough with Aquaman. No. Anyway. There's never enough with the Aquaman.
1: But they all were, or, or Batman's, is he tackles you and then strings you up to a balloon, kind of like he did in The Dark Knight to the, the one uh, mobster.
0: Oh, yeah, At the beginning, you know that. how
1: he takes him out of the building. Yeah. So he does that, and then uh, the bat plane you. takes you like way up in the sky and then lights you up with a machine gun. The reason why everybody can survive any of this nonsense, including getting punched in the neck by Superman, which should just vaporize any normal person, is because in the first game, they had this magic pill that somehow made them all super strong and resistant, and it was given out to, naturally, all the characters in the game.
0: Yeah. So Harley Quinn is not just crazy, she is now a superhuman.
1: She also gets hyenas, which is kind I of cool. I do
0: love my hea- the they're, hyenas. They're
1: actually pretty cool. The cast of characters is cool. Like, in the first one, they had Solomon Grundy. In this one, they have Swamp Thing. They have Gorilla Grodd. They have The Flash. They have, you know, the usual Batman suspects. They have Joker, Harley Quinn, Scarecrow. They have Superman, Black Adam, Wonder Woman. And, and like, the list goes on and on of, it. I mean, some of them might be... Not so popular, like Captain Cold or, like, uh, Firestorm.
0: Black Canary's in it, but Black she's Canary. actually pretty kick-ass, so she's now one of my new favorites.
1: And personally, I found the dialogue to be... I mean, yeah, it's a comic book video game, but, like, it's funny. It was funny. funny. Yeah, it, it was, was entertaining. It
0: was It was, like, like I said, I don't play it as much as I watch it, and it was entertaining to watch.
1: I think the best way to sum this up is the Injustice games are better DC movies than virtually any of the DC movies.
0: Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Though I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. I've heard it's fantastic. The only issue is because of Injustice, I want to punch Wonder Woman in the face.
1: Yeah, Wonder Woman is not really a nice person in these games. So with that, I think that closes up our off-topic section. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm wife. And I'm husband.
0: Please keep listening. Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.